1: This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS
2: Sports. On his
3: way to the end zone. I'll tell you what I've got a
1: spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play.
3: Off to the races. Touchdown. Oh, he's
1: done it again. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie,
0: Heath, and Ben. All right, what's going on? We're talking about regression candidates today. Welcome to the show. I'm Adam Azer with the regression guys, the regression buddies. Heath Cummings and Chris Towers, we've got a lot of names for you. So, like, last year we told you, yeah, Lamar Jackson can't have those crazy touchdown numbers again. And, and, yeah, I mean that that actually that happened, and he wasn't quite as good in fantasy. So who's Aaron Rodgers? We'll talk about Aaron Rodgers today for sure. Who else are we going to talk about in terms of regression? We'll ask Chris and Heath in just a second. This is the first of two episodes that we are recording today. We have another one coming later on Thursday. You're going to hear it on Friday. It is a mailbag show. So if you've sent emails, I'm going to try to get to a ton of them on the mailbag show on Friday. Same with your Apple podcast reviews. I appreciate that. And we're going to have an Apple podcast show next Thursday uh, before Memorial Day weekend. Get your questions in. Apple podcast review questions. Get them in now. I will read them on a mailbag show that's going to publish, I believe, next Thursday. Get you ready for Memorial Day weekend.
2: All right, I'm done talking. What's up, regression buddies? Yay. Do, do we have the disclaimer thing to play to where we can explain like what we're talking about when we say regression so we don't get the email saying, why were you saying he's going to regress if he's going to be better? That's progress, not regress. Can we just, yeah. do we, don't we have something we're recorded cutting. now that Re- we can just...
3: Regression is a statistical term that refers to a number... That is an outlier returning to a statistically established norm.
0: Okay, yeah, so let's— Thanks for hitting the button, Adam. But the, <laughs> right, so people say, well, that's progression. Regressing is getting worse. But do you want to explain that in layman's terms, Chris? I, I thought he just did. It
3: was—I mean, I get it, but one more All time. Right, okay, no, no. Here's here's the the most simple way to explain it. And this is not exactly how things work in real life because we're talking about human beings. But if you flip a coin 10 times and it comes up heads seven times, you know moving forward that the most likely outcome is that the next five five of the next 10 will be heads, not seven of the next 10. That is a regression to a statistically established mean based on probabilities. Okay. Is that layman enough? Right. So what you're saying
0: is that I flipped it ten times. Seven times it was heads. That means eleventh time is most likely going to be tails because of all exactly. Those yes. <laughs> no, no, just kidding, everybody. All right, yeah. So anyway, we're looking for for players who um, are going to be, I guess, basically doing things that are more in line with their careers or more in line with league norms. Like Aaron Rodgers throwing forty eight touchdowns was great. It's it's you know it's probably not going to happen again, and um, you know Kirk Cousins throwing thirty five touchdowns. Some t- J.K. Dobbins six yards per carry. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Austin Eckler's touchdowns and players that we haven't really talked about in this regression type of uh, of conversation. Let's start with the biggest regression candidate. Let's let's just go one player that really is the headliner of your column, Heath.
2: Yeah, I th- well, I didn't write the column. Chris did, so that would have. Um, no, I, I didn't actually mean the actual column. You I can still I, Heath. You can still write one. I just I, um, I think it probably has to be like. The thing that's always difficult is when guys are changing teams or changing other circumstances, we may not have a good idea of what their mean or expectation should be in those new circumstances. And we don't know for sure that Aaron Rodgers is changing circumstances, but he's a guy who, for like a decade, just set his own mean as, in terms of touchdown rate. Until Patrick Mahomes had thrown 1,500 passes, Aaron Rodgers had the highest touchdown rate of all time. Um, right around 6%. Last year, he was over 9%. So even if you think like 6% is his mean now, which it hasn't been over the past three years before last year, he looked like he'd kind of lost some of that um, elite touchdown skill. Um, even if you think that, you should expect that his touchdowns from last year would be thir- cut in a third. So like literally that's 16 passing touchdowns gone.
3: And, and even if... He wasn't 9%, but he was just 7%, which would have been second in the NFL last season to Russell Wilson. Uh, He would have thrown 36 touchdowns or 37 touchdowns instead of 48, and that would have dropped him, I believe, from QB 1 in points per game to QB 11.
0: The problem I have with this is that touchdown rates in general were way up last year, right? So, if you look the amount. Right. So, I just looked right now. I forgot to do this before the show, but I did it right now. The, the amount of players who, who had a 6% touchdown rate, I think they were nine last year. They were five the year before. The amount of players who had a 5% touchdown rate went from 12 in 2019 to 15 in 2020. Uh, I pl- I'm pretty yeah, it was sure up
3: right. 4.8% compared to 4.5% in league median. 20, so, right. so Leak, is that average? Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, so I look at Aaron Rodgers, and and okay, so if it if his touchdown rate had been his career rate of six point three percent, he would have thrown thirty three touchdown passes. That's fifteen fewer. That's basically what Heath just said, and that would have made him basically the number ten quarterback in fantasy instead of number one or number two, um, depending on four point versus six point. So, am I am I supposed to value him as as ten? Am I supposed to rank him tenth? Uh, should I, I should probably expect regression from other quarterbacks who were ahead of him as well. Uh, and and then there's also the fact that, you know, he's Aaron Rodgers, and (laughs) he's, he's awesome and he could have another 40 touchdown pass season, right?
3: Yeah. And this does get into kind of like the, one of the issues when we're talking about this kind of topic or projections in general is we're only going to talk about one number, you know, like we're going to project, I have project Aaron Rodgers projected for 34 touchdowns in a 16-game season, so probably something like 36 and a half in 17 games. Um, that's not actually how it works, though. You know, it, the likelihood, it, there, you know, there are a, an infinite number of possible outcomes in the future, and the, the average of all of them would be like 36-ish for me at least. Yeah. But that means sometimes he gets 27 and sometimes he gets 31 and sometimes he gets 48. So well, is this
0: the why? So then why do I
3: stress over this? You know, why don't I just kind of like, oh, he's Aaron
2: Rodgers. Well, but the thing because I like the whole he's Aaron Rodgers thing, there's a little ding in that when you look at the fact that 2018 and 2019 combined, he had a 4.4% like less than half of yeah. what he did last year. Yeah. So he had not been Aaron Rodgers for two 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 and a half seasons, um, depending on which metric you want to use. He hadn't been above 7.4 yards per attempt. It's not just touchdown rate. His yards per attempt had been 7.4 or worse since 2014. And last year it ballooned 8.2.
0: And he also um, had three rushing touchdowns last year, which was more than right the previous I, I think i have a number 10 combined.
2: in the projections he might be number nine in the rankings just because deshaun watson projects yeah. a lot higher than you can draft him right now um mm-hmm. but i think he's a low-end number one quarterback and yes there's the possibility that he's just aaron Rodgers again but it's so it, his margin for error without running for 400 yards or running for five touchdowns is so much smaller especially if he's Matt Lafleur continues to want to run this offense that's not going to throw the ball six hundred times.
3: And you know the other the other thing regarding he's Aaron Rodgers is he's always been Aaron Rodgers, and he's done this before. He had a nine touchdown rate uh, touchdown rate in twenty eleven, and followed it up with seven point one percent. Now seven point one percent would still be an excellent number, but he would probably finish around QB ten. if He, he had, but he was QB that. two that year. You know he was so right. The, 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 the league he, context has changed so much.
0: Yeah, it's a, right. And and he was okay. And also, Rodgers used to run more than he does. He had his fewest rushing yards ever in a in a season in which he played sixteen games. So it does help in the sense that you need a, it helps put the downside in perspective for Aaron Rodgers because he's not running as much as he used to, and we have better mobile quarterbacks that all get drafted ahead of him. Um, okay. The three rushing touchdowns might be an outlier. It might go back to zero. Uh, and then, yeah, if the touchdown, like he had a year, 2018, where he was amazing 4,442 yards, 25 touchdowns, two interceptions. And be- because the touchdown rate was low, he was number nine per game in four point, number six per game in in uh, six point per passing touchdown league. So I mean that that's a guy that if he had thrown more touchdowns, he probably would have been in the MVP discussion. I don't remember who won it in 2018, but 25 to two touchdown interception rate, f- almost 4,500 yards. It's a terrific season, but it really wasn't a standout because of the low touchdown rate.
2: Well, and like there were other things, like part of the reason that he oh that was, Mahom- for that was Mahomes that year, right? That was his MVP. Well, season. no, but he threw for 4,400 yards because that was the year. he had his second most pass attempts ever mm-hmm. that was the last year before the floor his right. passer rating right. that year was actually below his like well below his career at norm so i, I don't think he was actually that good
0: but his p- passer rating is so heavily influenced by touchdowns and interceptions mm-hmm. but, but when you throw 25 touchdowns to two interceptions i mean that's pretty good but f- well yeah f- good but point. even like his good yards point. per
2: attempt were 7.4 compared to a career average of 7.8
0: Okay. Uh, All right. So Aaron Rodgers is the headliner. Chris, if there's a positive regression or, you know, progression, positive regression. Stop saying just (laughs)
2: say.
3: (sighs) Who's the headliner of the positive regression article? I, I think it's Michael Thomas. And, you know, this is where we get into, like, it's not just like, we're not just talking about, oh, he had good luck or bad luck. That's the way we often talk about regression. But in Michael Thomas's case, you know, obviously there was the playing with Taysom Hill for four of his games, although he was on a 1,400-yard, 120-catch pace. So I think we've overstated a little bit how bad Taysom Hill was for Michael Thomas. But I think the bigger thing is he was playing... He was not healthy last season. I think pretty much at all. You know, He had the high ankle sprain in Week 1. He played through it for a couple of weeks. He went back on IR at the end of the season. First playoff game, lo and behold, scores a touchdown. So... You know, this is where, like, regression What is. are you doing in the
0: second playoff game? It doesn't matter. Or do they not... Wait, did they only play one playoff game? No, they played two. All oh, right, they he beat He had the zero Bears. catches on four targets. He had zero World catches game.
3: in the second game. I, look, if we think that matters, then that matters. I don't think it matters because Michael Thomas has a very long track record of being an elite wide receiver when he's healthy. But either way, regardless hey. of whether you think Michael Thomas... Is like I, I have him as my wide receiver too. I know a lot of other people have him more like wide receiver nine. Um, even if you think that he's not going to be an elite fantasy wide receiver, you have to think he's going to score more touchdowns
2: than yeah. zero. Right. Yes. Yeah. It, like this is um <laughs> the clear choice for a player who's going to experience regression that is going to make him better for fantasy purposes. Like I avoided saying positive regression. Um, <laughs> I I do think like the interesting part is going to be how good is he? I, I think we can all agree he will bounce back to be a top fourteen or fifteen wide receiver again. It's what like he was a nine target per game guy. 2017 and 2018, he was right around eight last year, but missed some time. So maybe he's nine target per game guy. I don't think he can be a top five fantasy wide receiver with nine targets per game because he's not an extreme um, yards per catch guy. And I don't really think it's fair to expect an 80% catch rate without Drew Brees. So if he's 150 targets or 155 over 17 games, um, I think in full PPR he probably gets close to top five, but i I don't think I don't think he, he's gonna be elite.
3: I have him as the number two wide receiver in targets. It's basically him, Devontae Adams, him, Stephon Diggs, and DeAndre Hopkins are kind of in their own tier in terms of targets. And my thought process there is, uh, who else is gonna catch a ball in New Orleans?
2: And you're you know, like. His You're projecting situation Jameis Winston
3: as the Yes, and I'm projecting Jameis Winston, which means more a higher overall target uh, mm-hmm. you know pass attempts mm-hmm. number. But Taysom Hill, I think his target rate with Taysom Hill was almost thirty percent. It was. And he caught he caught
0: eighty one percent of his targets with Taysom Hill. And let me just I think do that, with, and, and, when, and, and with Bridgewater, it was probably even better. Is percent. Yeah, he had eighty percent catch rate and eighty one percent with Bridgewater and Taysom Hill.
3: Yeah, I I think it'll be lower. I, yeah. I have him at a seventy-five percent with James Winston. But I right. I think it's still gonna mostly be short area stuff. I think I think it's still mostly gonna be you know a lot of the slants and a lot of the drags and a lot of the outs that you know people kind of make fun of him for uh because he's making a lot of relatively easy catches. But I think the addition of James Winston might also mean, you know, a few more opportunities to go over the top. And that- I think he's perfectly capable of doing
2: both. And and that's probably like the the key yeah is who who gets that job yeah we're we're just guessing i'll admit i'm
3: sunny on him but (laughs) i mean either way michael thomas has never been a high touchdown rate guy but in 2019 it was one touchdown every 20 targets in 2018 it was one touchdown every roughly like 17 targets Last year it was zero on fifty-five oh, yeah, or no. yeah, we, we know he's one score. <laughs> on sixty-seven if you include the playoffs. Either way. He's gonna I think score he's the, the obvious touchdown regression candidate at the position. Okay. Um all right. So
0: then we will move on. We have a lot of players to talk about, so we'll have to kind of zoom through them a little bit. But the news and notes for you here, Antonio Brown is not past his physical yet for the Bucks. He had minor knee surgery in the offseason. We expect that uh, he'll pass his physical soon. Joe Burrow, he might be. He seems like he's all systems go for Week One, but they might take it easy with him and not play him in the preseason. Heath, would that matter to you if Joe Burrow didn't play in the preseason?
2: It it matters to me. Yes, um, it's one of the reasons why I'm just slightly skeptical about projecting the same second year boost that we do for most good quarterbacks um just because it, like it's not just the preseason he's not going to do some of the offseason stuff that quarterbacks generally do between their first and their second season okay. i still think the most likely outcome is he takes a leap as a passer and he, he has a very good year as a low-end number one fantasy quarterback but there's more risk there now and he's one of those guys that if i'm drafting him at the back of the first round it's kind of like aaron Rodgers, is as long as he's still on the Packers without a new contract extension. like You need to go get a second quarterback, and it needs to be more of a priority if Burrow's your starter. You
0: said back of the first round? What did you mean? Back of the top 12. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Uh, Overall?
2: (laughs) At quarterback?
0: Uh, Wide receiver Paris Campbell of the Colts says he's 100% recovered from the injury, the knee injury he sustained in week two, and he had six catches for 71 yards on nine targets in week one. Pretty good, but Philip Rivers threw season high forty six times, three hundred sixty three yards that that game, which was the second
2: most of the season. But is he an but, interesting late round pick, Paris Campbell? Much more interesting if they don't go get Zekerts. Okay, um, because their offense will have to change a little bit, I think, from what it's historically been. If if they're going in with Jack Doyle and Mo Coxes Cox as their only tight ends,
0: Washington is allowing starting right tackle Morgan Moses to seek a trade. They just signed Charles Leno, who could just. Slot right in at right tackle. Did you guys stay up for the LeBron shot? I did. Yes, that was excellent.
2: I, no, no, yeah, I, did no not either. I did not.
0: <laughs> I saw the Curry shot at the end of the half, and that was basically it for me. Uh, and that was impressive. But what a stupid shot! That like, I just feel so bad for for.
3: I mean, no. Any team Golden that doesn't States have LeBron like, James, I feel bad for. Golden State's won like 40 games in that exact same manner over the last six years because of <laughs> Steph Curry. You can't complain <laughs> well,
0: about that's it. Well, that's what Curry does. You just know.
2: enjoy how awesome they are. Yeah. Well, I'm
3: annoyed that I missed what
0: was probably an incredible half of basketball. But anyway, the playoffs are, are pretty much underway, but they're about to begin for reals when the play-in games are done. Join the Early Edge podcast every single day for the best bets, the props, and the futures for this year's postseason. Jonathan Coachman, Mike McClure, and Larry Hartstein won't lead you astray as they bring the best bets to your feed every morning in 15 minutes or less. You can find the Early Edge on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and even live on YouTube. All right, here we go. Quarterback regression candidates. Aaron Rodgers, we talked about. So give me, just give me you know, a quick thought from each of you on Carson Wentz. Wentz with 16 touchdowns to 15 interceptions in 12 games. Now he's on a new team. Um, but yeah, I mean, he is on a new team. So Heath, give me the narrative on Wentz.
2: You you could argue this one like seven different angles because um, Carson Wentz just wasn't who he's been in the past last year. His um, yards per attempt was 10% worse than its than his career average. His touchdown rate was, I think, 20% worse than his career average. His interception rate was nearly double his career average. And then on the other side of it, he ran for five touchdowns on 52 rush attempts, which probably isn't repeatable either. But I just, it's it almost for me, because we're getting a fresh landing spot in a system that he already knows, I think inarguably the best wide receivers he's ever played with, even if the Colts have one of the worst wide receiver cores in the league. Um, I think Alshon and, and Deshaun were a, were a better group how many games did he have with Alshon and Deshaun?
3: No, this, like, this is a better, I, you
0: think the Alshon and Deshaun? Yeah. All banged up last year. Barely. Uh, that no, no, was, no. I'm not talking about like two last, or three years ago.
2: Yeah. There may have been a year where they both played more than eight games that I don't recall. And
0: like, no, it was, Zachary. it was Aguilar. It was Agalor Ertz and Alshon. That one year it was very productive. I don't know if that was more Wentz or what, but yeah, is uh, uh, when, when your tight end leads your team in receiving every year, that's not a good thing.
2: So, generally not. Yeah. Um like it depends it depends, but I do think that there I have more optimism for a bounce back season for Carson Wentz than I think the majority of people do. I think he's a fine number 2 quarterback that has top 12 upside.
3: I agree with that. I, this kind of gets into like Carson Wentz just has to play better. Like it's not really this I don't really think this is a statistical regression thing. But, you know, he would you he can regress to his mean in terms of how well he plays like he right, that last right. year was such an outlier in, ter- in in terms of how he played. He looked I mean, I, like he didn't look like he belonged on the field at times and looked like he just like could not process things. Uh, and well, he was it was it was, it the was like the Sam Darnold quote. It looked like he was seeing ghosts. That's legitimately what it looked like. It was bad.
0: Yeah, so I understand what you're saying. So the difference is, it's not oh, oh he had this really good year, but he just didn't throw enough touchdowns, and yeah. that it's not that it's yeah. he was he was not himself. Okay, um, would you guys take Carson Wentz or Tua Tonga vailoa
3: I think I'd rather have Tua. He's just got a much better offense would do around him for <laughs> passing. Good job, Ed. Uh
0: Kirk Cousins. Regression, 35 touchdown passes. Is that where we're looking at here?
3: Touchdown yeah. Rate? yeah, I think just the overall efficiency. Um, he's been a very efficient passer over the last couple of seasons, but 6.8% touchdown rate, that is his career high by more than a full percentage point. Uh, also had his highest yards per attempt in a full season. So I think just overall, you should expect some regression there. You know, Justin Jefferson is a part of that, sure, but he's probably going to regress. He's not going to average, you know, what was it, eleven targets per, eleven yards per target last year. Probably won't be able to do that again, but he should see an expanded role. Uh, Adam Thielen's not going to score fourteen touchdowns again, so you know, I, I think the biggest thing is just that, like, you can kind of talk yourself into, well, maybe Kirk Cousins can be a low end starter, and he probably can, uh, in the right matchups for the right stretches of the season, but. You certainly don't want to look at his numbers last year and think, "Okay, I can, you know, I could wait on QB, and if I end up with Kirk Cousins, I'll be fine." I think he probably won't be fine.
0: Well, you, I uh, I like him in a two quarterback league context. Yeah, I don't think he's the kind of guy you you need to take in a one quarterback league. He's a bi week replacement, but there is a number with Cousins that really jumps out to me. I talk about this a lot. First eight games was, you know, he was good, ninety seven point seven passer rating. But 26.1 pass attempts per game, and it was it was close. It was 29 pass attempts per game. Then he had two games where he barely threw. One of them was weather related. But let's say 29 pass attempts per game. But the last eight games, 38.4 pass attempts per game, a 110 passer rating, number two quarterback in fantasy, 2400 yards in eight games, 20 touchdowns, three interceptions, threw multiple touchdown passes in seven of eight games. Um, the pass attempt number is huge to me. Can, did he convince them? And did the addition of Justin Jefferson, I know they had Stefan Diggs, but uh, did the addition of Justin Jefferson convince them that they can throw the ball a little bit more? Because that's that's how he could become a more stable, low-end number one quarterback is if they just
3: throw the ball more.
2: So th- that I don't I just, know. If I, I think it predict. depends on the
3: defense, actually.
1: No, be For better. sure,
2: yeah. The defense should be a lot better. And the other thing is like those last eight games... They went four and four with wins over the Lions, Jacksonville, Carolina, and the Bears. Like there should not be anything from that stretch that makes them think that's that was good. Yeah, except Cousins, he was right. great. Yeah, I don't think Zimmer cares a lick about <laughs> that.
0: Okay, you have anything to add, or should we move on, Heath? No, I'm I'm on board with that. Okay, Daniel Jones. I noticed yes, this is just Daniel Jones hatred here because you put, I think this was Chris, Daniel Jones rushing regression, mm-hmm. which is definitely not going to be as good as it was last year. But he had 11
2: touchdown passes. You got to figure that's going to be a little bit better, right? I, I didn't I didn't put Daniel Jones on here because I try when I'm on the podcast to not contribute to the excess Daniel Jones conversation on this podcast. This is Chris, all Chris. Um, I, this, yeah. This is one that I just kind of wanted to highlight as a different
3: version of regression that is worth talking about. And it's, you know, when one player has a wild outlier performance, and that is what happened with Daniel Jones. And what I mean specifically is he had one 80 yard run. You may remember. I um,
2: do. Yeah. Jackson he like has never had
3: very long runs. Actually, Lamar Jackson has never had an 80 yard run. Uh, Robert Griffin, I'm pretty sure, has never had an 80 yard run in his career. Back when he was a good runner, Kyler Murray has never had one. I believe Cam Newton has never had one. Daniel Jones is not the best rushing quarterback of all time, but that was one of the longest runs by a quarterback ever. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> he had a, he had an 80 yard run, a 49 yard run,
0: and a 34 yard run last year.
3: Yeah, and like th- those will happen. But the difference between an 80 yard run and a 30 yard run is often just one guy misses an assignment. And if Daniel Jones, if that had been a 30 yard run, like he didn't do anything special on that run. Oh, well he, he, <laughs> he was wide open and he was wide open, he ran fast and then he tripped. If anything like yeah.
2: that, that was special.
3: No, it was it was an amazing play. I don't want to but <laughs> he didn't earn the eighty yards on that one is what I'm trying to oh, say.
0: but he's a I don't know, what do you what I haven't projected for it. Is he a three hundred rushing yard guy?
3: I, I think something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like he was 6th or 7th among quarterbacks in rushing yards last season. He had, I think 60 more rushing yards or right about there than Jalen Hurts with two more carries. I just like he's not a better rusher than Jalen Hurts, you, you know?
0: You are probably underselling his rushing ability though.
3: I I don't I, think I am. No, I I actually like, have Jalen a Hurts for 500 rushing yards. Jerry Hurts rushed for 1,400 yards in his last college season. Well, no, I'm not he's saying – He's an objectively better runner than yeah, Daniel Yeah, he is. I think is, I'm he only is. telling Daniel Jones by saying
0: that. No, no, he is. But Daniel Jones is, is a better athlete, I think, than people give him credit for. If you go watch some of his college highlights, he's got some long runs in there. Um, sure. He's probably but, a little faster than he looks, but fine. I We really don't have to talk about Daniel Jones. definitely sneaky
2: athletic, for right. sure. And
3: right. I, I, would, I would also say, like, I would make the same case about Ronald Jones with that 98-yard touchdown run. Yeah. Which was more than 10% of his rushing yards. I, I said the same thing about Leonard Fournette in his rookie season when he had that 90-yard touchdown run.
2: Doug Martin was the, uh, was like yeah. the, the poster boy for that. He had 45% of his yards against the Raiders one year.
3: Yeah, and sometimes, you know, th- like Chris Johnson back when he was really, really good, or Tyree Kill right now, you're not going to say, well, oh, that 90-yard touchdown was fluky. Those guys are special. Daniel Jones is special in his own ways. <laughs> I don't want to take that anything away from him. But he's not that kind of special. Ronald Jones still averaged
0: 4.6 yards per carry without right. that 98-yard run. I'm still looking for a metric that says Leonard Fournette is better than Ronald Jones. I don't know that I found it. Um, we can talk about they're,
3: that a little bit later. Yeah, they're they're Spider-Man. The Spider-Man. I don't know. Sort of pointing I mean, I, at each other.
0: I don't know if I agree. And Giovanni
3: I, Bernard's off to the side, and he's like, "I'm going to take all the valuable touches anyway, so it doesn't matter." I feel like I feel like uh I think Spider-Man's kind of lame, to be honest. I
0: feel like Ronald Jones might be like Hulk, and maybe Leonard Fournette is Spider-Man, but I don't really know much about Marvel. I just think Spider-Man's kind of a loser. What do you, you kind of take I, is that?
2: I was getting ready to step away for a second. I'm going to, but um, you're right. Uh, like, like i you know like and i'm really about pretty much spider-man only consume the um movies I, and basically any movie that's not a spider-man movie he makes worse he's <laughs> unbelievably horrible. all of his scenes are the worst scenes in all of the Avengers take.
3: one of my favorite one of the best scenes in infinity war is the hi i'm peter dr strange oh we're using our made-up names I am Spider Man. Like, come on. Didn't come on. see it. Didn't see it. That's Take your word for it. Uh, I'm so mad right now. I'm so mad.
0: <laughs> I like It's a funny lie, though. That's a funny lie. All right, Ryan Tannehill's our last quarterback that we're talking about here. Um, with his rushing touchdowns, he had seven of them. Uh so yeah, that's gonna that's gonna come down. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Okay, but um he also had 33 touch, he also had a 7.7% touchdown rate. In 2019, we knew he was going to regress there. It was 6.9%, which is still really good. That's his passing passing touchdown rate, sorry, in 2020. So the rushing touchdowns, you know, it's interesting, though, Chris, is he had four of them in 2019 and only started 10 games. And then he had seven in 16 games. So, I mean, even five, you know, is a lot for a quarterback.
3: But And in that offense, given him? how much attention, it's kind of like the opposite of the Cardinals. Where defenses have to pay so much attention to Kyler Murray that it's probably going to open up more rushing touchdowns for the running backs than they would otherwise get. I think you could probably say the same thing for Tannehill with Henry, but you know, if he scores four rushing touchdowns next season, th- given the low volume that he has already, the margin for he just like can't afford to really lose anything and still be a starting fantasy option. By the way, who plays Spider-Man in the Avengers movies? Tom Holland. If you've never seen it look up Tom Holland lip sync challenge. He does a dance to Rihanna's umbrella. And it is one of the most (laughs) purely joyful things you will ever see in your life. Okay. It Uh, will just make you happy.
0: The PGA championship is back at the ocean course at Kiowa Island golf resort in South Carolina. And you will not want to miss any of the action people. So to keep up with all the drama, make sure you're watching the PGA championship for free on the CBS sports app by visiting cbsportscom slash PGA championship via your Paramount plus or TV login on a connected TV at running back. We're looking at regression candidates, Nick Chubb. What is it about Nick Chubb? That's going to regress. Was this a Heath one?
3: This was a Heath one. I, I also thought about having him on my list, but once Heath had it him, I, I didn't think I needed to 5.6 yards per carry, um, 12 touchdowns on 190 rush attempts. I, I think that kind of sums it up. He's an amazing running back, uh, above five yards per carry in each of his three seasons so far. But five point six yards per carry in twenty twenty was twelve percent higher than twenty nineteen. Uh, he had eight touchdowns on one hundred ninety and two hundred ninety eight rush attempts in twenty nineteen. A lot of that's dependent on whether the Browns' offense can be as you know stable and consistent as it was last season because it did play better, but. Mm. On the whole, Nick Chubb is, one, someone that I just have trouble ranking when I'm doing the projections process because he doesn't catch passes. And so that means he has to be an outlier in touchdowns and an outlier in volume and an outlier in in efficiency in order to be an elite running back. And he can probably do those things. I just, I'm not, it's not guaranteed. And so he's RB15 for me in the PPR rankings, and I think he's right around there for Heath. I know he's higher for Dave and Jamie, and, and I think that just kind of reflects the different processes that we go through because if you're projecting his numbers out, unless you project him to be... Like, if he's the sixth best running back in terms of touchdown and yards per carry efficiency next season, he's probably going to be about RB 12 to 15 because he's so lacking in the passing game.
0: Yeah, I don't know how to feel about this. He is tough because I do think there could be a lot of touchdowns. It just depends on who gets the goal line work. I know he's going to get at least some of it, if not most of it, but yeah. they had a lot of goal line work. The two of them, Hunt and Chubb, combined for 20 carries inside the five-yard line, and uh, that was that would have been like third best just combined, but, you know, like Dalvin Cook and, and uh, who was number one? Uh, number Probably Henry. One? Uh, no, it wasn't. It was Cook and Zeke. They led the NFL with okay. twenty-two, but also you, know, Madison had twenty-eight. Tony Pollard had three. So you know that's like twenty-eight for the for the Vikings two running backs. Yeah, yeah. Twenty for the top for the Browns top two. Uh, but basically over the last two seasons, Nick Chubb has averaged one inside the five carry per game. So if he converts half of those. That's eight or nine touchdowns right there. And that's only the ones inside the five.
3: He's got such big playability. So
0: I could see him, I could see him having a 13, 14 touchdown season. Wouldn't shock me at all.
3: I have him projected for over 1600 total yards and over 12 or right around 12 total touchdowns next season. So I don't think you could reasonably say that I'm too low on him in that projection. It's just, that's where he ends up. Uh, And I, you know, I also think the op- Browns' offense probably won't be as good as it was last year. Wasn't
0: even that I don't good. think it'll
3: be like a gigantic fallback, but I think it'll step back. They were only, I think, 17th in scoring or something like that. I said
0: what I said, Adam. Yeah, well, but in my mind, I was surprised. I thought they were a better offense. I, I think it's 14, probably yeah. a... They were 14th? Mm-hmm. I think it's probably a... Like, they, they peaked late, you know? But yeah. they were they really struggled earlier, I think, in the season. All right. Uh, more regression candidates. The, the year two guys, I think we've spent so much time talking about them. So I'm probably going to skip them for now. Um, we just did a whole show talking about them again, basically, with the workhorse show. Derek Henry, what is regressing here? He was uh, 2000. <laughs> he was over 2000 yards for one thing. But what specifically are you looking at for regression?
3: Uh, Where do we start? I mean, it's just kind of everything. You know, like when someone rushes for 2,000 yards, regression is inevitable. That's just how it happens. There's You look at every 2,000-yard rusher in the history of the NFL, their numbers have been scaled back significantly the following year. And whether that's because of just standard regression to the mean, to have had 2,000 yards in a season, by definition means you had to have had some outliers and some extraordinary performances. Um, I don't think he's going to rush the ball 380 times in in 16 game pace again. I don't think he's going to average 5.4 yards per carry again. And this is where it always gets difficult with the not? regression discussion. Why not? He's averaged
0: 4.9 yards per carry or more three straight years. So if he doesn't, well, he 5.4 is right, but ha- how much significantly higher? What's he going to go? 5.2? Actually, before you even answer that, I I said this last month. I think every running back who rushed for 2,000 yards, lost at least one yard per carry the next year. That's wild. Now, most of them averaged... I don't know about most, but I think... Yeah, I would say most of them averaged more yards per carry than Henry did. So they had more to lose, I guess. But it would be shocking to see him average 4.4 yards
3: per carry, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm not saying 4.4. But if he averaged... Let's say it's 5.9 and he ran the ball 320.9 four point, four point 4.9 4. and ran the ball 320 times instead of 378 that's a 1600 yard season which is so, amazing so
0: yeah so here's the question does the regression matter enough where he's not a top
3: 5 back for me yes in PPR in non-PPR no he's top 3 for me there okay. but in PPR it's kind of like he's a better version of Nick Chubb you know, I think he'll be better across the board than Nick Chubb, but I have him projected for 1,600 rushing yards, 14 touchdowns, uh, and 160 receiving yards and 1.5 touchdowns. That's a really good season. That's 15 total touchdowns and over uh, you know, almost 1,800 total yards. And he's RB9.
0: Who's the next most interesting running back in this discussion for you, other than Austin Eckler? Because I know you've, you've talked about him a lot. Uh, The next most interesting regression candidate at running back is?
3: Uh, I think Miles Sanders is really interesting. Um, Kind of for that same reason as Daniel Jones, actually. Miles Sanders had, I think, three plays of at least 70 yards last season. If I'm remembering that correctly. Three or four.
0: Yeah, Saints, Steelers, and Ravens, I believe. All against the toughest run
3: defenses, basically. And like he's awesome. I I love Miles Sanders. I think he's an incredible talent. Uh, Yes, 82, 74, and 74 last season. Um, One of those he fumbled on. (laughs) Uh, He's not going to do that again. And that's not, again, none of this is a knock on Miles Sanders. I think he's a great player. But I think we can all agree he was probably better in 2019, at least certainly more consistent. And his longest rushes were 65 and 56 yards. And so it's another thing where it's, You know the the difference between a fifty-yard touchdown and a seventy-yard touchdown is one starts at the twenty-five-yard line, and so you're sort of uh, beholden to where your starting position was. We're talking about Miles Sanders, Heath. Welcome back. Um, Here's the problem. Here's the power line he was on big plays last season. The
0: problem I have with this argument is the Eagles' offensive line and offense in general was so bad last year. I just don't really know what to make of it. I don't know if I should just throw this out for Miles Sanders or not, but I'm kind of I, I'm kind of nervous about him right now.
3: Um, I I'm more nervous about his receiving game role. Yeah, for sure. He had the highest drop rate I think in the NFL among players with at least 50 targets, and they just stopped. Like, what made him so intriguing as a rookie and early on last season or in the preseason was that they were willing to split him out wide occasionally, but also just like throw those deep wheel routes and stuff. And he was getting a lot of those early in the season and he was dropping them. I I distinctly remember... Yeah, he was. I know. I think it was the Ravens game. He just dropped like a 34-yard touchdown. And I'm pretty sure that was the last target that he had that was further than like 15 yards downfield.
2: Yeah. And I think like if there's a way for Kenneth Gainwell to get on the field, that's the place that he would do it.
3: Yeah, I... Yeah, maybe.
0: But also I know but, that I know that he was part of the passing game with with Jalen Hurts, but but that's still just not a good thing. We know that mobile quarterbacks are not good yeah. in that respect. But that you know, that's not the only thing that made him very interesting going into 2020. I mean, he, toward, yeah. when he took over for Jordan Howard at the end of 2019, he was what I look for in a in a star running back, you know. He got a lot of work and he got the touchdowns or, you know, and, and he got the catches. He was he was exactly what you're looking for for a breakout. It didn't happen last year, but again, was the Eagles' offense, was the Eagles' offensive line, was everything so bad that we just shouldn't penalize Carson Wentz for it? We shouldn't penalize Miles
2: Sanders well, for there's it? There's no penalizing Miles Sanders. He averaged 5.3 yards per carry. But we,
0: but we were just talking about it was the three 70-plus-yard runs that really factored into that, and that's pretty impossible I think
3: to do. when you have... Like a 65 yard run, obviously the offensive line plays a big part of that, but I don't think you can necessarily say the offensive line is the reason he got 65 yards instead of 30. You know, a, a long play like that, by definition, requires a lot of things to go right. It requires good blocking. It requires bad defense. I don't want to get into one play. I, I just want to talk overall. You know, sure. He's not going to rush for 5.3 yards per carry again. I think he's more likely to be like 4.5, 4.6, which is where he was at as a rookie. I think he is both a positive and negative regression candidate because the passing game role diminished and his yards per target went from 8.1 to 3.8. I don't think he's going to do 8.1 again, but I also don't think he's going to be 3.8. So there's room for him to improve both, to to go both ways. Final thought, Heath?
2: Yeah, it it just like his... Production, I agree with Chris about the yards per carry. I don't think he's a five-point. Like, my main regression candidates at running backs, I think, were J.K. Dobbins and somebody else who averaged over five and a half yards per carry. So, yeah, Yeah, like they're no, not Nick going Chubb, to man. probably repeat that. Um, the, the main thing for Miles Sanders is going to be, does the new coaching staff want to have a player in the Naheem Hines role, or do they want to throw it to him 70, 60 times yep. over 17 games? And then the second thing, which we, we still don't really know, is can Miles Sanders be a 15 to 17 touch per game back and play 17 games? Yeah.
0: yeah, that's a big, big part of it.
2: All right, we'll talk about wide receivers when we come back
0: on Fantasy Football today. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Welcome back, everybody. Here we go with wide receivers. We got a couple of Steelers guys on here: Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster, and uh and Dante Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, 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 what, what, how can we say anything about what happened with the Steelers last year? That's kind of where I'm at. It's like they were ridiculous. Well, they were a, a comic book. They they were fiction. Yeah. It, it was a ridiculous offense. It was
2: stupid. And I don't Which I, is a good reason because they changed their offensive coordinator. It's a good reason to expect that things won't be the same that they were last year. But like it's easier with Chase Claypool to just say nobody has a nine percent touchdown rate. He's not going to have a nine percent touchdown rate next year. I don't care what offense they run, he's not going to have a nine percent touchdown rate. So his target share has to significantly go up, or he's not going to be very good for fantasy. And like we mentioned, you know, you mentioned Doug Martin earlier.
3: Chase Claypool had a four-touchdown game. You know, when you talk about, he had eleven touchdowns for the season. We had four in one game and seven in the other. Fifteen. I he think had, the
2: seven is much more, right? Uh, much more predictable. He he had two rushing touchdowns and he had sixteen rushing yards.
3: <laughs> right. <laughs> like. Although he he did then go out in the playoffs and score two touchdowns in his only game. Yeah, that was a ridiculous game.
0: Roethlisberger threw 68 passes in that game for 500 yards.
3: This is an example of where he won't have a 9% touchdown rate. I think you can say Chase Claypool is likely to have a higher touchdown rate than certainly anyone else on his team.
2: I think that's true. Um, And then with Juju, it's just like even without Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown in 2019, he averaged eight yards per target last year that fell to six and a half. Um, his 8.6 yards per reception last year was only two tenths of a point better than his career yards per target. Um, so he's going to be much, in my opinion, you should expect him to be much more efficient than he was last year. Now, the way this could all even out is what, we've talked about before, if Claypool's target share goes up and Juju's target share goes down, then these things for fantasy purposes may not mean as much. But if their roles remain similar, you should expect, even if Juju's completely limited to only slot routes and only short area targets, you should still expect him to be much more efficient than he was last year.
3: And it doesn't sound like he will be. There was, I think, a quote from him in the last week or so that he's expecting to be used outside more often.
0: All right, well, that's big. And I would, I'm glad you said that, Heath. That was my follow-up question. It's, it's Can we really expect Juju Smith-Schuster to bounce back when they used him so differently? His ADOT the last three seasons has been 8.8, 9.7, 5.5. Yeah. So if it stayed at 5.5, you can't expect him to get up to that yards per target and yards per
3: catch, right? I think he will be better, though.
2: Okay. I don't think there's any reason to expect it will stay at the five point five. But yes, if it stayed at the five point five, um, I would still think he would be better than what he was last year. Okay. So, so who's who? Are you all? Uh, how are you ranking the three receivers? I want to know what the Deontay Johnson um, regression is because I'm really unsure. Okay. That might impact who I'm ranking higher.
3: Okay. Go ahead, Chris. Um, this may be a controversial statement. I've talked to, I know I've talked to Dave specifically about it and he disagrees. I don't think drops matter. I think one, like if you get enough targets where you drop a lot of passes, that's more important than the drops. Uh, And in Deontay Johnson's case, he got so many targets that I don't think it's going to matter. But drops are also just not super predictive year to year, they fluctuate a lot. There are very few receivers who drop. What was it for him? Like 7% of their targets last year?
2: Six and a half his rookie year, 9% last year.
3: Yeah. Yeah, so 9%. I, I think something like 6%. Okay, maybe. But he's played, I think it's 31 NFL games, including the playoffs. 32, including the playoffs. He has 20 drops. 10 of them came in a seven-week sample last season. Now, the rest of mental, that, like, that's mental. more drops than you would want in the other games.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: But I don't think it's going to be a problem. And I would expect he's going to catch more like 65% of his passes. Probably even more if he's used the same way as he, he was last year.
2: Yeah, I, I just... And I talked about this last year and he did not do anything to... like The only thing I know about Deontay Johnson for sure is that he gets open and the Steelers throw to him, but he's been very mediocre when like on an efficiency basis, both years or flat out bad last year. No, he's Um, been, he's been their least efficient wide receiver each of his first two seasons. And I do think it's funny that like, if you threw a pass to both chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson, the chances of Claypool scoring last year was the same as the chances of Johnson dropping that pass. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I like, it's just going to, if they continue to throw it to him 10 times a game, then it doesn't really matter yeah, right. how good he is. It's, it's almost like the running back argument. And I tend to think they will.
0: And so does Jacob uh, Gibbs. I mean, Jacob Gibbs on, on Monday was talking about, when was this? What's today? Today's Thursday. Yeah, I think that was Monday. He was talking about targets per route run. It's a big stat for him. And he's seeing a, it trends with Deontay Johnson. Roethlisberger just loves him as his first read. And, uh, he, you know, he's comparing him to Michael Thomas in the yeah. targets per route run, not in the production. But so. So, he OK, seems like with that said, Michael Thomas, how are we? OK, there you go. How are we ranking the three Steelers wide receivers?
3: Deontay's 19 for me. Juju's 32. Chase Claypool's 45.
2: I don't know that I'm too far from that. I think I might be a little bit Your more hierarchy. consolidated. Consolidated yeah. than that. Uh, I did lower Juju a little bit in my most rank- recent update. I'm trying to pull up the uh, PPR rankings. I've got Deontay at 20. I've got Juju at 22. And I've got Claypool at 37.
0: Well, I, you know, I love wide receivers who get 900 yards as rookies. They're destined for stardom. I don't know how I feel about wide receivers who get 873
2: yards as rookies. That's just it's uh, yeah, it's total. Tough
0: great. Well, Juju yeah, yeah. did
2: have 900 yards as a rookie.
0: He did, yeah. I The thing about Juju is that he thrived when Roethlisberger was... I led the NFL in... Well, not his rookie year. In Juju's second year, I guess. Yeah. I think Roethlisberger led the NFL in passing yards that year. Uh, it was just a really good setup for him, I guess. I don't... He's a confusing player. He's been... I don't really care about 2019. No, Roethlisberger didn't play. But last year was really bad for him. And well, they, they, yeah, I don't I, like him in the slot as much. And eight ul- out was stupid.
3: Ultimately, so much of it comes down to: Can Ben Roethlisberger throw the ball more than ten yards down the field? Slash, is Ben Roethlisberger actually willing to stand in the pocket long enough to let a route longer than ten yards down the field develop? Because okay, that was one the more issue guy. last year. Yeah, one,
0: that? one more wide receiver. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, one more wide receiver. Robbie Anderson averaged six touchdowns per season on the Jets with 114, 94, and 96 targets in the three seasons before last year. Then he blew those targets away at 136, and he caught three touchdowns. So obviously, we're looking at positive regression here for Robbie Anderson, and if he had caught seven last year, which I think is reasonable since he averaged six on fewer targets with Sam Darnold, the three, mostly the three previous years, if he had seven last year, he would have been a top 15 wide receiver. Um Chris, this was this was a guy you put in the notes here, so go ahead.
3: Yeah, and I think a couple things go into why his touchdown rate was lower last season. Uh one is I think Teddy Bridgewater is a pretty good quarterback, but he just for his career has had a very low touchdown rate. I think it's like 3.5% overall, which is really bad, especially for a quarterback who's pretty good otherwise. Um is he? And I think that kind of shows his limitations.
2: Okay. What's um, that? I will just say that Sam Darnold's career touchdown rate is 3.7%. Right.
3: Yeah, no. But I think the other thing that goes into it is um, Robbie Anderson wasn't the same Robbie Anderson last year. And the Robbie Anderson who he was in New York is a player who is more likely to score on any given target than the one he was last year. Last year, he was playing the DJ Moore role. And before that, you know, his average death of target last season was 9.7 yards, which is actually still pretty good. The previous two seasons was fifteen, and so you're less likely to score on a shorter target than you are on a longer target. Just you know, that's just how it works. Okay. Yeah. So I like he's a touchdown regression candidate because three on 136 targets is just a an incredibly low number, even accounting for all of that. Um, But yeah, it'll require Sam Darnold to play well.
2: The real question is. Um, is DJ Moore a touchdown regression candidate?
0: <laughs> Regressing to what?
2: Exactly. I like. I think we're at the point now. We're probably maybe we're still a year away, but we got we're getting really really close to the point where it's just DJ Moore is just a low touchdown guy.
3: Yeah, it depends on. Again, he was using that deeper role last season. But still, didn't score. I have that. <laughs> right. But I think that was a Teddy Bridgewater. Thing. I tell you that. Teddy guys, Bridgewater every left time, a lot of points on the field last year.
0: I tell you every time what the reason is for DJ Moore. Nobody listens to me. It's because the, pa- the Panthers don't throw touchdowns. They've thrown 33 touchdowns in their last two seasons. Two seasons. Well, right. the reason we don't
2: listen is because it's two different quarterbacks and two different coaching staffs.
3: But they've had two. Bad
0: quarterback situations.
3: Like saying the Lions don't changed. ever have
2: good running back production.
3: Well, but that's the thing is that Teddy Bridgewater wasn't bad last season. He's, he's not just, a good
0: quarterback. I'm sorry. He's
3: right. No, I I don't disagree with that. Well, you just said he's a pretty good quarterback. I said he's pretty good, except when it yeah, comes I to throwing touchdowns. I don't agree That's where his yeah. limitations are. Exposed. His limitations are throwing the
2: ball downfield. Like he's a, he's a top twenty quarterback currently. I think. Yeah.
3: Fine. At, I, maybe. I'm not, you're not, you're not disagreeing no, with me. No, you're I just, am disagreeing you're just with you. You're just saying it in a more harsh way. Exactly. I'm saying, like, he moves the ball pretty well. He moves the ball efficiently. He connects with his targets. His limitations, which I agree with you, are exposed on the types of plays where you would score touchdowns. So I, okay, DJ Moore. And in the red zone. DJ Moore has been the victim of bad quarterback play.
0: That's why he's not scoring a lot of touchdowns. He also doesn't get a lot of red yes. zone targets. That's not going to change this year. <laughs> you know, I mean they're they're going to have bad quarterback play, I think.
3: It's just it's just hoping but I still that like him. Darnold can play better in a new situation with more talent around him. It's it's a long shot.
0: No, I, I, look I, I get it. And even and I think when you talk about regression, you know, you could have a bad quarterback play and still score more than four touchdowns like yeah. Moore did and three than Anderson. So that's a, an important point. But I, I think yeah. over the last two seasons he's had 20 to 25 percent of the team's touchdowns so if they had a 30 touchdown season you could see seven touchdowns from him and then you're then that's not great it's not going to get you in the top five at wide receiver but it's
3: going to make him a value big time in round four or wherever he's going um so he has the lowest touchdown rate of any wide receiver ranked in my top 20 right now there you go
0: all right let's finish up with tight ends heath give me a tight end that's gonna regress
2: Speaking of low touchdown rates, uh, Noah Fant scored three touchdowns each of his first two years in the league. The first year, he did it as a rookie tight end on 66 targets. Last year, he did it on 93 targets. He also saw his yards per reception fall off. And we may not know fully um, what his true expectation in terms of yards per reception, especially at tight end. That can be a little bit scheme dependent. But I think it's closer to 12 than it is to the 10.9 that he posted last year, especially considering he was playing hurt. And they've got a little bit of a floor. Like no matter what we think of Teddy Bridgewater, he's better than yeah. bad Drew Luck. So he's got a little bit of floor on his quarterback play now. we'll find um, yeah. And I would I like like I've said many times, I just don't see very much of a gap, if any between TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant. And I
3: think Noah Fant I think Noah Fant's a better receiver. He,
2: I think that's possible. Um and so I like he is one of my favorite if you don't get one of the good tight ends to just wait and take Noah Fant later. I would expect that if he gets 110 targets like he was basically on pace for last year that you're going to see five or six touchdowns and he's going to be a top five or six t- tight end.
0: 62 catches, 673 yards, three touchdowns for Fant on 93 targets in 14 games. Uh, I think we know Robert Tunyon is not going to have the same touchdown rate. I want to add one thing on Noah Fant
3: that is both a maybe unfair compliment, but also highlights why he may not be a super high touchdown rate guy. He's a lot like George Kittle. He might be the most similar to George Kittle of any tight end in the NFL. What I mean by that is, his abilities with the ball in his hands make him so special. He is such a playmaker in that in that uh, way. But they use him very similar to how the ty- the 49ers use Kittle. A lot of lower, uh, shorter yardage targets. His average death of target has been below eight each of his first two seasons. He gets a lot of yak, so I think he's going to still be an, uh, an effective playmaker. But George Kittle famously has not scored many touchdowns. He has 14 on 369 targets. I think... Given that usage, it could be very similar for Noah Fant, where he becomes a 900-yard tight end but is still more of a 5 or 6-touchdown guy.
0: Okay, and we'll end it on that note uh, with uh, with our regression candidates. And check out the article on cbsports.com slash fantasy, which was, of course, as we now know, written by Chris. And make sure you stay tuned for our mailbag coming out tomorrow. Thank you so much uh, for listening, everybody. I'm Adam Azer for Heath Cummings and Ben Schrager and Chris Towers. Uh, Talk to you on the mailbag. If you don't listen to that, have a great weekend, and we'll have another show for you on Monday. By the way, if you want more regression candidates, fantasy football today in five. Jacob Gibbs on Thursday and on Friday. telling you who's going to have positive regression, negative regression, and uh, make sure you check that out. See you later.